0: Hey everyone, PJ here with Games Overboard. Thanks for coming back for a new episode. have something a little different for you today. Uh, I'm going to be talking about five great games to buy for someone as a gift, since the holidays are just a week away. Something else that's different with this episode is I'm also going to be posting a video accompanying this to YouTube. You'll have the same exact audio, I'm just going to be adding pictures and videos and stuff on top of it. So, yeah, again, I'm talking about five games that are great gifts for either a gamer or a non-gamer. Maybe you're not a gamer, too, and you want to get into the hobby. Or if you want to get a group of friends in for the hobby. Or if you just want to know what games are good games to have for the family. You know, something like that. And a good price point, too. I tried to keep these games. Uh, Every game on the list is under... 40 bucks. Most of them are actually closer to 30. I have one runner-up that is 60, but it's still something you can find at Target, uh, so that I'll talk about at the end. So that is uh, what we're going to be talking about today. Instead of doing a review, we're going to be talking about just some really good games, two of which we've already talked about on this podcast. First up, Baron Park. Now this is a game, for those who haven't heard that episode of Games Overboard, where you are building a zoo for bears it's as simple as just grabbing tiles putting them on a little player board that you have a little grid and they will cover up pictures and whatever picture you cover up coincides with a column on the board where you can take more things for example if you cover up a green wheelbarrow then you get to take anything from the green wheelbarrow column if you cover up anything uh that is a white truck you can take anything from the white truck column or to the left of it. And then uh, there are construction worker sites. If you cover up one of those, you get to add more land to your board. Then those sites have orange excavators, which let you get some of the highest point-value pieces, and you can take from anywhere on the main board to build your zoo. And once you complete one of these little uh, land pieces, then you get to put in a bear statue, which are super high-value points, and it's just a really satisfying game to have those boards all filled out. It's just a really nice sensation, really calm game. Low confrontation It's just a a nice game to play with any age. I played this a lot with my kids over COVID, so they would have been 7 and 9 at the time, and they love this game. They still love this game. I still love this game. It's a great game. Next up is... King of Tokyo. Now, King of Tokyo is uh, a game that best way to get you hooked on this is to ask you two questions. One, do you like Yahtzee? Or, more specifically, the mechanic of rolling dice. Keep the dice you like, re-roll the dice you don't like two more times until you get something you like. Second question, do you like Godzilla? If you answered yes to both of these, you'll like this game. Because what you are is you are giant monsters fighting over Tokyo, and all it is is rolling dice, Yahtzee style, and attacking each other. And you uh, you can roll different symbols. Uh, there are claws to attack people. There are hearts to heal your health when you get attacked. There are lightning bolts, which uh, give you a currency, I think it's called energy, to purchase new abilities from a shop, and then there are numbers which give you points, and the first person to 20 points wins, or last monster standing if you end up killing all of your opponents. So this is a really great game if, again, you like rolling dice. It's a very quick game. You can usually get it done in about 30 minutes. Uh, So yeah, it's just a good time around the table, rolling dice, attacking each other, buying new power-ups, new abilities, taking each other out left and right, things like that. Uh, getting really neat combos in. It's a fun little game. It's it's really great. There are a lot of expansions out there, a couple different versions of it too. There's now a dark version which adds new things. I would like to do a bigger review on this later with a special guest who has the dark version, so we might be playing that and talking about that in the future. So I'm very excited to see what happens there and how the game is a little different. So that's King of Tokyo in a nutshell. Is just a really neat dice rolling game, much more confrontational. Uh, again, if you like dice rolling, if you like Yahtzee dice rolling, that whole roll, keep dice, re-roll new dice, that kind of thing, I really think that this is a great game for you. The next one is the first game we've ever reviewed on this show, and is Betrayal at House on the Hill. Now, to reiterate from that review, this is not a game you play if you plan on winning because there's no strategy to this game at all. This game is simply things happen to you and you react to them and it's absolutely hilarious. So what is Betrayal House on the Hill? It is a game where you are a group of people exploring a haunted house, so you build the haunted house together, it's different every single time you play, and as you explore the house, things happen. You see images in mirrors, you uh, are finding items, you're discovering new things, you might fall into the basement, you might go up into the attic and find some cool things up there. But eventually, one of you will turn, and then it'll be everyone versus that person. And so when that happens, then the game takes a turn for to this completely ridiculous side, where, and this is where the game isn't for everyone, because sometimes it's just broken. Sometimes the game just doesn't work. Most of the times, it's absolutely fantastic, though. Where you're trying to come up with different ways to stop Stop the other person. Stop the haunt. It's called to stop the haunt from getting from accomplishing their evil goals. And so you're all working together while they have their own specific rule book, and they're trying to stop you and to you know to, to to kill you and take you take over the house. This game is every grade B horror movie in a nutshell. We've seen Lovecraft storylines. There's a dragon in there. I haven't done that one yet because uh, it's random every time. There is Frankenstein's monster. There are ghosts in here and zombies and. There's a Saul parody in one of them where everyone has a trap around their neck and they all have to find the key to get to get them off, and the keys are are hidden all over the house. There's one where the house turns into a giant tree, or where the um the house starts sinking and water is filling up everything. So there are tons and tons and tons of different scenarios in this game. Uh, 50. 50 different scenarios, and then there's an expansion that adds 50 more. And then there are various other Betrayal House on the Hill games, and each one comes with 50 more scenarios. So you can just keep playing this game over and over, and it just doesn't get boring at all. It's fantastic from beginning to end. The next one I have is Horrified. Now, Horrified is a game where you are working together, uh, or solo, and you are going against universal movie monsters. So it could be Frankenstein, or the Wolfman, or the Invisible Man, the Creature from the Black Lagoon, Dracula, uh, any of those, the Mummy. And you are just putting out fires all over the place, and citizens are appearing and you're trying to get them somewhere safe before the creature from the Black Lagoon or whoever can eat them or get rid of them in some way. And each villain that you're fighting has a little mini game in that where, for example, uh, the creature from Black Lagoon, you have to figure out where his lair is. So there's this little Candyland mini game where you're collecting items of different colors and then you have to get rid of those items in order to move your boat to a colored space of that item, just like in the game Candyland, where you put a blue space down, so you move to the closest blue space, and so on. And so then once you get to the end, then you finally know where the creature from Black Lagoon is, and you can defeat him. And for for Dracula, the, you have to, like, break all of his uh, all of his coffin, so he can't find anywhere to go to bed when the sun comes up. Uh, you have to find silver things for the Wolfman, and so on and so on. Uh, and so there's a lot of teamwork, and a a ticking clock of trying to stop all these monsters before this event deck runs out, or before the terror level gets too high, so you can save the day. There's also an American Legends one. It's the same exact game from what I've heard, I haven't played it yet, but uh, it's basically the same game, except you are going up against um American lore, like the Chupacabra, and the Jersey Devil, and the Mothman, and things like that. So, I'm really excited to play that one at some point, and see how that one measures up to the original horror. The last of the five games is a really neat one because it is, one, based on an intellectual property, and two, it's my favorite genre, which we talked a little bit about in the Dune Imperium review. This is Harry Potter the deck-building game, Hogwarts Legacy. Or, no, I'm sorry, Hogwarts Battle. Hogwarts Legacy is a video game that's coming out. So in Hogwarts Battle, uh, what happens is you go through all seven books... In order. And you'll, uh, when you open up the box, you will see a really neat board. And then underneath that are seven boxes. And it says game one, game two, game three, and so on, all the way up to seven. So when you're playing the game, uh, this is a deck building game, as I said. Which means that you all, all the players, start with the same ten cards. Or similar ten cards. It's always, it's ten cards. And they're very low level cards. They can't really do a whole lot. And they only have one or two icons on them. Those icons are a lightning bolt which is how you do things, like cast a spell or attack someone or something like that. Or there is a coin symbol, which is your currency. And you use that currency to buy cards from a shop on the board, where you can get new cards and build up your deck and make it bigger and make it more powerful with these stronger cards. And then each book that you go through, once you finish Game 1, you get to open up a box that says Game 2, and that adds new villains, new locations to visit, new cards that go into the shop, and... The back of the box says there are dice at some point. I haven't played too many scenarios yet because I keep I have to keep rebuilding it and going back to game one to teach deck building to people. So I've only gotten to about games three, I think is the farthest I've ever got. Um, I'm not sure when the dice come out, but I know that in one of those boxes there are dice. So I'm excited to see what the rest of the game does, the difficulty definitely ramps up too as you start playing. Uh, it gets very difficult to, to, to do everything you need to do while the villains are putting marks all over the place and you're trying to keep up with them. So it's a great game of teamwork. If you like Harry Potter, even if you don't, there's still some really neat mechanics in here. If you don't too, there is uh, a Toy Story game and it follows the same thing. If you just look up Toy Story Deck Builder, you'll find it. Uh, I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head, but again, it's around 40 bucks, and it's the same game. It has seven boxes in it and everything, same mechanics of deck building and all that, but a different theme. So for those of you who don't like Harry Potter, maybe you'll like this one as well, uh, the Toy Story one. Lastly is my runner-up, and it is a game, one of my favorite games of all time and it's called Everdell. Everdell just recently got into Target's hands, uh, because before that it was just like strictly a hobby game, and this is is a runner-up only because of the price. This would be in my top five otherwise. This is a $60 game. And... To me, it's worth it. The artwork on it is absolutely fantastic. And the pieces in it are really cool, too. So, uh, how does it work? It is a worker placement game. Worker placement games are games where you have uh, these little workers, as they are, like these little wooden animals, forest critters, and you put them on the board in certain spots all around the board to get whatever is on that spot. For example, if I want to build a school, I need uh, two resin and two sticks. So I would take my little squirrel, and I would put it down to get uh, on the spot that has two resin, and I would get that that resin then. And i I'd get it immediately. And then squirrel would take their second turn and go get some sticks. And then the other player would, you know, do their thing, trying to accomplish their goal, and now Squirrel has spent both of their workers getting resin and sticks and now they can use that to buy the school. And then, uh, you know, you get that card and you get to put it down in front of you and then the school also has a little picture of the school teacher. So that means that if the school teacher is available, you can use a turn to just summon that person to come work at the school. Uh, You don't have to pay for that person because you have the building there that kind of just draws them in, which is so so cool. And there are lots of neat pieces like the 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 sticks you know the logs look like logs problem is they roll a little bit but you know um there are stones that are really nice smooth stone shape and quality uh the berries that you use to get people because people need food uh are this really neat squishy uh polymer of some kind and the resin is this gorgeous translucent amber colored plastic uh all the pieces are of this really neat wooden you know wooden cut meeples and they all look great the artwork again is absolutely amazing in it there's this really cool tree that makes it hard to play if you're sitting around a table because that means someone's gonna be blocked by the tree uh but it's not necessary for the game at least so you can just not use the tree if you don't want to. But I I love the tree. I won't play without the tree cuz I think it looks amazing. So, uh Everdell is a really nice game. It's competitive, but it's not confrontational. It's just a a really a really cute game. It has a lot of strategy to it, but it's also really easy to learn and it's and it's just a great introduction to this hobby, I think, and how diverse games can be with the incredible artwork and the, the crazy theme of just being forest critters, building a town in the forest, and competing with who can make the best town. And uh, just the idea of worker placement. Not Most people in outside of this hobby would never have seen a game where you can do this kind of thing. Same with deck building, too. So I highly, highly recommend if you want to spend a little extra money for a good game, that Everdell be uh something for you. Again, all these games are really, really good for any age limit. I would say because of the wackiness of the rules, that betrayal at House on the Hill, probably not for anyone under 13. Just because the rule book, if if a little kid, you know, like a nine year old or eleven year old or a 10 year old, uh became the haunt, became the traitor, they would have some issues uh figuring out what the heck to do and how to win. But in terms of like theme and everything, like it's a fine game to play. Uh, there's nothing wrong there. So that is what I would recommend for you as just five really cool games. And uh, today was a short episode, but hopefully for someone out there, this was an informative episode. And, and hopefully this was an episode that you could use to your advantage and maybe get some last-minute shopping done. So if you do buy any of these games, let me know what you think of them. Uh, did you like them? Did you, were you not too fond of them? Let me know why. May... Because then I can maybe tailor some reviews based around you, the audience's, tastes. So, you know, if you don't like story-driven games like Betrayal, then maybe we can start focusing more on the puzzly ones like Baron Park. So, yeah, let us know what you think there. So that's all I have for you, these five great games and one runner-up, which is even better than the others I listed, I think. But it comes at a cost. It comes at a price point. Again, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, everyone. Please check us out on Facebook at Games Overboard. Uh, Like and subscribe to our YouTube page. Leave us a review on whatever podcast app that you listen to. Also check out our website, Gamesoverboard.com, and check out our other podcasts. Danger and Dice, where we play Dungeons & Dragons and get into a whole bunch of crazy mischief like convincing a unicorn he is actually a deformed horse. And uh, The Wellhouse Exorcism, where we talk about our real haunted houses. Uh, And when we're done with that story, we then move on to talking about haunted objects and pass judgment on whether or not we believe these things are actually haunted. So thanks everyone, have a great week, and we'll see you next week.